0: with Brenton Parsons. Brenton is the current strength and conditioning manager for the Shanghai Sports Institute in China. This is a role he's had for nearly 10 years. In the past few years till late 2019 he combined this as the strength and conditioning coach for the national sprint cycling team and they had some stunning results in that period. He started in China as the head strength and conditioning coach for Team China Basketball in 2010. Before that, he he had a a very long career in Australian rules football, where he initially started with Collingwood in 2009, moved to the Kangaroos Football Club, again as a strength and conditioning coach, then went to Melbourne for a number of years as a sports science and conditioning coordinator, plus also heavily involved in rehabilitation. So a really great uh, learning curve for him in the Australian rules football environment and definitely a multi-skilling situation that was occurring in those times. Before that, again, he worked at the Victorian Institute of Sport with a number of sports from hockey to cycling and other intermittent sports. He has a master's from Edith Cowan University but interestingly also, he played semi-pro rugby union, he played for Victoria, he, he dabbled in sprinting, he played other sports, and when you combine that experience as, a, as an athlete with his practical hands-on and then high performance management experience, you have a pretty potent mix. In the podcast, we talk about about his journey, but then we delve into the nitty-gritties of sprint cycling and provide some very practical benchmarks, interesting information on what is required to become a sprint cyclist in terms of strength and conditioning. I hope you enjoy this, it's really interesting and let's get chatting. G'day Breton, how are you, how's Melbourne treating you? Uh,
1: it's good mate, uh, it's good to be back in, in my hometown. Trying to see family and friends, but that's uh, a bit difficult with the current coronavirus break, uh, sorry, lockdowns. But other than that, it's been really good to be back uh, home in Melbourne after a pretty solid stint uh, in China.
0: So, so what's your circumstance? You, um, you weren't going to be there, obviously, long-term in Australia, but you've sort of landed there and COVID's occurred and, and you're, you're somewhat stuck there, for want of a better word. Is that the case?
1: Yeah, that's the case. I, I, I wanted to have a bit of a break in the contract just because, uh, like I said, I've been there uh, on and off for for 10 years, and that becomes a bit of a strain on family, friends, and, uh, you know, you become a bit foreign to uh, your family. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to get back for uh, a few months in between contracts, and that was organised with um, the good people at Shanghai. But uh, even the best laid plans can uh, come a cropper, because, yeah, like everyone else in the world... uh, COVID-19 is throwing up challenges that probably just can't deal with at the moment. So at the moment, I'm waiting on a, um, a special visa to come back to China, but I'm not even sure if I can get to China even if I did get the visa with the current lockdowns.
0: Yeah, well, if, if things do change, then I'll wave to you when I come back on holidays to Australia as you go to China, because I'm, I'm in the same boat with
1: <laughs> Very unique circumstances. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting to. Um, Phased about it trying to stay fit and healthy and and do a little bit of study at the same time.
0: Yeah for sure I'm in the same boat. There's there's so many people in the same situation as us So just got to deal with it You head of strength and conditioning for the Shanghai Institute of Sport, but what were you doing in Beijing? uh, Before you came back to Australia. Sure,
1: I I was heading up the um, strength conditioning program for the uh, Chinese track cycling sprinters and working with a New Zealand assistant coach and an Australian head coach as well as uh, a lot of the support staff which is from Shanghai and that's probably the main reason I was there because a lot of the riders were from Shanghai and I was providing the strength and conditioning support staff uh, mainly for our riders but assisting the whole team. So there was just some issues that um, that you know can happen with any any squad any team around the world and yeah, due to those issues, uh, I came back to Shanghai, and and then yeah, I find myself back here in Australia. But but that was that was my decision to, to leave the squad, and uh, yeah, I'm happy, I'm happy. about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, we'll talk a little bit about sprint cycling and the specifics because that's quite fascinating. And and my journey in cycling's just begun. So so you're you're now going to return to or going to return to your original job, which is uh, heading the strength, Shanghai strength and conditioning program
1: that's correct yeah Uh, i think i'll be probably more covering a lot more teams like i used to rather than specifically being with um track cycling
0: i just want to go back on your background and just work through not so much your cv but i want to understand and i think people probably somewhat, sometimes pigeonhole a professional with the last position you've got, you know, you're a cycling strength and conditioning coach, and that's all people remember sometimes. But what sport did you do as a young kid and as an adult?
1: As a young kid uh, growing up, um, I played pretty much every sport. So I played Aussie Rules football, I did little athletics, played basketball, tennis, did gymnastics, uh, as well as um, rugby union. I enjoyed all sports, but I probably most enjoyed uh, rugby union, and which is a bit of a weird thing from a guy from Victoria, but um, just a sort of family heritage. Um, I've played a lot of rugby before, so, um, yeah, it, it felt like a really easy fit. And I, I did that for a bit, junior and senior representative teams and a few internationals here and there, but I, I probably realised that I was a good player, but I wasn't a great player. Um, which is probably the case. with a lot of strength conditioning coaches. I also had a, a, a really great love for real athletics when I was when I was younger, and I decided to do that uh, um, when I was older uh, and, and learn a lot about sprinting, sprint mechanics, and, and just just have some fun um, when I finished my uh, rugby career.
0: So that that was at Melbourne University, wasn't it? With the the sprint yeah. squad, yeah. That was Yeah, yep. Pretty, pretty hot sprint squad in those days, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I probably, I probably made it a little bit cooler, but yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a really good environment.
0: That's funny. Um, and you played internationally with Rugby Union also. Is that the case?
1: Yeah, I, I played a few internationals with um, Representative Team Victoria. Uh, we would always get the touring international teams playing us. Yeah, I played a little bit um, overseas in the UK as well. It was it wasn't uh, it was a semi-professional, so it wasn't really a, a, a great position. But um, it was sort of in those early, early years when rugby was just turning professional.
0: Okay, but nevertheless, a, a important experience in the evolution of your work in strength and conditioning. You know, when you combine. Oh. Having done sprinting Definitely. sprinting, and rugby union, you couldn't get a better mix, could you, really?
1: Yeah, I find that, uh, you know, with some of the with rugby early on, we were very much encouraged to get into strength training. And um, that sort of really piqued my interest in strength training early um, when I was around 13, 14 years old, um, which is probably a little bit earlier than, say, AFL uh, athletes normally get yeah. into it yeah. um, down here. So yeah, I really really enjoyed the strength training aspect. Really enjoyed my, my time learning um, about um, sprinting, conditioning, the mechanics of of sprinting and conditioning, and uh, it was it was purely for fun. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed my uh, my uh, later time athletics after I retired. So I guess from that really formed my opinions on on speed. And, and conditioning for uh, um, you know t- intermittent team sports. So uh, I think we're going to touch upon that later anyway.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, and, and, and certainly um, you, I know you worked at the VIS in a number of sports, and then uh, you, you got into football um, and some worked in different clubs in the two thousands. Just 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 give me a bit of a, a overview of that and the scene then. You know the AFL scene, the VIS scene then, and the sports and what was going on.
1: Sure. Sure. I I did a a sports science traineeship um, in strength and conditioning with the the VIS in in 98, 99. Yeah, it was a pretty um, intensive course in those days where you would have some lectures and they were quite general across sports science as well as strength and conditioning. And you also had to undertake, you know, some testing with some teams and, provide some strength conditioning to some junior athletes, and generally just act as a sponge down there and try to learn and pick up as much as possible. I think it still is uh, it still is run now, but I don't think it's it's run in such a comprehensive manner as it was back then. It really was quite um, an intensive program, and I must admit I did learn a lot through that program. From from being in that program, I. I started to work with uh, BIS in cycling, um, hockey and triathlon um, from about 2002 when I worked with them concurrently while I was working with um, North Melbourne Football Club, but I'll come back to AFL in a second. And I also worked after I worked with uh, Melbourne Football Club, so later on. Uh, 2009 to 2010 with um, a disability pathway program, which was um, really interesting because that exposed me to just thinking about uh, strength and conditioning problems from from a different perspective again. So, yeah, I've been, was, well, was pretty involved with the VIS over a period of on and off for about 10 years. Yep. So that was, that, re- that really formed a lot of um, some of my basic underpinnings and understandings of Olympic sports strength and conditioning. Yep. With AFL, I got into... Um, I was asked to apply for a job while I was with the VIS. Um, so the an AFL club came through the VIS to ask me to apply for a position as an assistant strength and conditioning coach. I worked with uh, Collingwood um, Football Club uh, over 99 and 2000 season. An assistant strength and conditioning coach. You know, I guess like every young coach, I thought not only had I did I know a lot that I have arrived, and <laughs> uh, yeah, just looking back on that, I I, I was very very raw, and um, probably if I was in that position now, I probably wouldn't get that position, knowing what I know now. But but I guess you know we all have to start off at at some point. Yep. And uh, yeah, Collingwood was my point. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good introduction to strength and conditioning, and um, it's a good introduction to young coaches to learn. I thought I did a reasonable job, but at the end of the season, I lost my job due to just a new a new coach coming on board, and that that's that's just a part of the industry and a, and a part of what strength and conditioning coaches need to keep their heads around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, after, after that, I was working with the VIS more uh, full time, and then I started with North Melbourne as an assistant to one of your assistants, uh, Jared Egan. We we got along really well from a philosoph- philosophical point of view with that sprinting background. Yeah. Um, we were both on the say, same page. And what Jared knew more about um, on the track, I probably knew a little bit more in, in the gym. So we actually worked quite well together. And I actually, even though I, I didn't get paid much at the uh, at that club, I really, really enjoyed my time there with Jared.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was certainly a, a ramshackle gym in those days, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 there was one spot on the floor where if you did your squats, you'd, you'd bounce up again, so it was <laughs> really like a, it was a bouncy floor, you could do your pliers on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so so that that progressed for a number of years before you went to China with, with, with AFL, didn't it?
1: Yeah, and then after that, I, I went to Melbourne, for, um, for four years. It was a bit of a different role. It was a bit more encompassing. I did a lot more rehabilitation and uh, sports science. So, I was pretty much managing the whole rehabilitation process uh, from injury through to return to play. So, I guess just another string to your bow. But, um, yeah, I really quite enjoyed that as well. Three different clubs, sort of three different positions.
0: Yeah. And it was important because we need to touch on it because obviously, because you've been in China for 10 years or 11, I'm not sure how long, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people would forget that you had that rugby union background, you did sprinting, you know, you worked in AFL, you worked in intermittent sports, you worked in a variety of roles in days when multi skilling was important and, and and that underpinned your, your you know, your arrival in China, I suppose, for want of a better word. Yeah. What? What? How did that evolve, Brenton?
1: The 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 China thing evolved very very quickly. I, I received a call from my 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 ex boss at Melbourne, and he said that there's a three week position with the Chinese basketball team.
0: <laughs> three weeks. Um.
1: Just just to do a conditioning block. Yeah. I I I was I I had work then. I was doing part time at VIS and had a few other. Um, things on the go as well, but I, I said yes. I found out that that three-week position was pretty much a job interview for the rest of the year.
0: Yep.
1: Um, yeah, work, working with the, the Chinese national basketball team. So that was that, that was my introduction to China. You know, it's, it's definitely a place where you get thrown in the defense very quickly.
0: Yeah. You know. And <laughs> you
1: have to uh, learn to sink or swim. And I guess luckily I I swam. And uh, it sort of set me up for um, for later positions in, in, in the, later on in, in, in Shanghai and also throughout China.
0: Some pretty good players in the Chinese basketball team. I mean, it was a fairly serious job to get straight into, wasn't it, at that international level? It was,
1: yeah. It, yeah, it was it was really um, it was a shock uh, for me as I, I didn't really. I mean, I played basketball as a as a youngster, but I I didn't really know too much about. International basketball, and I, I, I got to China, and pretty much all the guys in the team were um, uh, rock stars, pretty much in, oh. in the local league. And within the first week, even even when I was turning up the training, um, fans were asking for my autograph. <laughs> um, I, I, I got interviewed on Chinese TV in the first week. I, I really didn't know what was going on. My, my, my head was still spinning when I was when I was there for the first couple of weeks. But um, yeah, after I I, I got my feet onto the ground and I guess luckily I had a a US um, head coach and a Turkish uh, assistant coach. So that certainly made um, the the transition into the team a a lot easier than if I had just a, uh, a Chinese support staff.
0: Oh, that's interesting because I was about to ask the question, you know, was it a Chinese coach and was the same issues with volume of training occurring, but but obviously not. It was a US coach, so I suppose... Yeah, yeah, you're right. That was probably lucky. It was probably a bit more measured approach to training, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, look, it definitely was, but but at the same time, there was still um, pressure from from the powers that be. The, the team isn't training enough, <laughs> um you 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 must get results. And if you don't get results then we need to train more. So it was a real patch twenty two type situation. But um luckily that year we actually um we actually did get some good results. We we finished uh well China finished the highest they finished in the world championships. Yep. Um and also they, they, they won the Asian um Asian Games gold medal. So which is pretty much you have to win the Asian Games gold medal for China. It, it's very, very important. It's it's, it's a no lose competition. But but for the the world champs, they made the the semi finals, um, which was um, not no sorry not the semi finals the quarter finals, which was really important for that team.
0: Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Well, well and, and when we talk about the volume issue, obviously that can occur even in Australia in AFL football where. Uh, you know, people on the board sometimes think that's the solution and obviously supporters always think that, you know. But, but obviously in China, I've experienced it. It's, uh, in inverted commas, it's a volume crazy type approach to training, isn't it? You know, and, and that perva- it's pervasive throughout all sports here. It's, it's quite quite an issue.
1: Yeah, they, they certainly, I mean, there, there's a philosophy around that less is more, but um, certainly in China, more is more. <laughs> so, uh, um, and and yeah, and you've seen at Loris when when uh, you've coached teams there, and I've coached numerous teams over numerous sports um, throughout Shanghai, and um, yeah, it's it's very difficult to change that that philosophy. But well exactly like you said with AFL, it it was very difficult to change that philosophy when stress and conditioning was starting out. Um, 20, 25, 30 years ago in Australia. So I, I think with you know older coaches, I, I can't believe I'm saying that that we're both old coaches, but can can see can see the the progression of of how things have changed in elite sport here. And I think I think that's that's happening. Also, but even though we'd like it to happen at a faster speed in China.
0: Yeah, I suppose my my take on it is that. Um, it, it will involve the development of all the young coaches in China who I think are you know, better broader thinkers here and as they evolve and get positions which will take time uh, I think things will change I, I think it is it is a youth thing here that's my opinion I think it's too hard to change the old guys but that's just you know, what, what I see in my opinion it's it's, it's, it's a tough gig <laughs> to change people's
1: Oh, it's it ex- exactly mate, and and just just two examples that I can give you from from my time in Shanghai. When when I first worked with the the volleyball team um, there, when I first came in two thousand and eleven, they had old coaches and they were very very reluctant to train, and they would do sometimes three hour um, weight sessions with pretty much every exercise of ten sets of ten. Huh. But but over uh, yeah, I mean it's. That's crazy volume, you know. They would do three hours, three days a week. <laughs> but but with that, but with that, um, a lot of those guys within that team, I trained and they learned a lot from me, who are now coaches within that Shanghai system, and and the volumes of the amount of on court and in the gym training has has been reduced dramatically. So. Um, it can be done exactly like you said with that with that generation of, of new coaches and new athletes coming through. Um, you can certainly get that, that generational change.
0: Yeah, I think that's the case. Um, that's my experience too. I, I saw that in the gym in Chong one day, one young lad who you know, Benny, who sort of evolved as a coach, and he was looking at some teams just training all day, and he looked at me and he just said, Loris, that's China. <laughs> But his, his training programs, obviously he'd worked with you and his training programs were yep. measured and he knew what he was doing and he was very very relevant to the sport and, and, and also looking at loads. So, yeah, it's just going to take time. So so you worked, you, you developed into uh, the position as a Head of Strength and Conditioning with Shanghai. How'd that happen?
1: That was actually through um, my relationship with the, the head coach of, of the basketball team when I first arrived, the, the, the US... Um, head coach, was also the head coach of, of the Shanghai team. Yep. Um, and uh, the owner at the time of the Shanghai team was Yao Ming. And obviously Yao Ming has a lot of sway across um, a, a lot of things in China. He's always the head of the CBA now, which is the local league. Yep. But, yeah, the, the, the head coach helped um, uh, me speak, well, me liaised with uh, Shanghai, and they organised me to come down. Initially to work with um, the basketball teams, but later on when when uh, that wasn't really viable, then I, I worked with well. I've worked with pretty much every every team at the institute over over the last ten years. In some in some way or form, whether it be directly or as a consultant or as 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 a rehab of a, a special
0: high profile athlete. So you, you had that unique experience I mean, when you go back to AFL and you go back to your sport and then when you're with Shanghai, you, you obviously were the I suppose for want of better of the word, the administrative head, you're a head of strength and conditioning, so you had to do all that high performance stuff, but but you're also hands on everywhere, so you sort of were able to mix those elements, which is pretty important that that, 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 that must have held you in good stead or still holds you in good stead, Brenton.
1: Yeah, I think definitely, there, mate. It's, it's. I think it's really important to be um, a generalist as much as you can. I, I think yes, you probably need to be quite strong in certain aspects of of strength and conditioning. But um, I just, I'm also just thinking and speaking to a few coaches with with the whole uh, COVID nineteen and maybe the reduction in. The size of uh, local Australian programs such as the AFL and NRL, I think maybe it could be the time for the generalist again. So I think I think being around every aspect of, of strength conditioning, be it you know the you know rather than just be that gym rat who, who loves being in in the gym, I think you need to understand the whole rehab process, understand recovery pretty well as well as knowing all the loads and all the sports science side of things as well. So, I don't know, maybe maybe that's the future for the generalist. But
0: also, because you obviously were, you know, ultimately you became uh, in charge or headed the program, which is a pretty big institute, to be honest, uh, you know, you had to develop those unique communication skills, which are even heightened when you're in China, to, to be able to... Uh, to, to get things uh, organized and 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 obviously hire staff develop staff make decisions get equipment so you, you, that's a, it was, I've been through it you know already in China and it's quite unique having to uh, to basically the challenge of communication is is massive yeah
1: yeah oh, totally totally and um, I, I think uh, I've got a pretty good understanding of the culture now but i I've got that understanding through making all the mistakes that anyone can make. I've made them and sort of moved on. Um, Certainly in my first couple of years, there there was a lot of uh, miscommunication. Um, I I, I didn't understand the culture or I didn't understand a lot of the the language, but now I understand um, a bit of the culture. And in my first couple of years, I had a a full-time translator. Um, but even even with a full-time translator, things can get lost. So certainly have to not, not come in with a um, oh, I'm-going-to-fix-everything-overnight type of attitude that sometimes uh, foreign coaches can come into a new system. But I, I think just advice for, for young coaches there, I don't think you would do that walking into an AFL team anyway. Yeah. Uh, you've got to understand that you, you're coming into another country and I think you need to... Or even into you coming into another team, you got to you got to um, pay respect to the, the culture and all, all the people that have come before you, just to just to understand how things can move forward.
0: Yeah, and I suppose when you know we talk about Australia and AFL high performance managers and, and, and the scene in Australia, um, you know the, the the development in Shanghai and now Chongmin, which people don't realise is an area out of China. Uh, our, our out of Shanghai is—it's it's a massive institute. I mean, it's huge. I mean, the number of teams, the number of things you had to be over, and and, and it's—it's just—it's miles and miles ahead of what you know you'd have confronting you in an AFL team. It's—it's it's pretty big, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's uh,
1: the, the the scale is quite—it's um, yeah, quite off-putting. It's—it's <laughs> really—it's it's quite a large campus, and it's getting bigger with the oh. with the track cycling um, venue being built too so yeah, yeah it's it's it, it also there's the dynamics of um some of some teams that we that i wasn't responsible for that have been coming on board in our new venue such as teams you've worked with loris yep. um softball baseball and um hockey uh they've they they've they were a part of other campuses that now have been absorbed into uh, this one giant mega campus that it, out in in Chongming Island, so it's it's still in the process of of becoming, um, you know, what you would consider a world class facility as we progressively get um, all all, of, all the equipment we need and and staff to to probably run a high performance institute.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's amazing. So so cycling, we, we, we moved to cycling, and and you you, you obviously finished up. With the national sprint team, how how did that happen in terms of that that, that progress working through? Obviously, and you, you obviously were doing both jobs too at the time.
1: Yeah, with with um, well, firstly, I, I wasn't working with, with cycling when I first came to Shanghai. I was primarily with with vo- the volleyball teams, and the volleyball teams have traditionally been um, the the most emphasised teams in the in the institute, but. When they found out that I had coached um, uh, important athletes in Australia before in cycling, they were very keen for me to come down and and have a look at their athletes. And after that, um, I got along very well with the coach, I got along very well with the athletes, and we we got some pretty immediate results. So, um, China, you're in the results-based business, so if you're getting results, you're in business. Uh, it It was a bit of an easy... Um, it was an easy in for me to work for that team. So with 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 some of the, the best uh, athletes within the national team were from the Shanghai province. So uh, it was pretty much a no brainer for me, a uh, walk for for our uh, hierarchy to send me to work as the national team. Um, it doesn't necessarily work the other way, but the the team had had power. Then, as they would won the World Championships recently, and we're looking forward to Rio, so it was it was a bit of an easier sell than than sometimes getting foreign coaches that you don't know too much about.
0: So, when you went there, those, the Australian and New Zealand coaches were there already. Is that the case?
1: No, no, they came on uh, when I first went there. There was a German German coach, oh, okay, and. He he, um, he resigned for uh, I'm not too sure what what the reasons were and then uh, the the Australian head coach who was the uh, former New Zealand head coach um, came on board and it was very easy for me to work with him. You know I fellow Australian working overseas so that was quite a really good environment to be in for for a period of time and then. Then we had a New Zealand head coach come on board after that. But as well as that, uh, for me, it was, as I said, quite an easy team to work for because two of the other assistant coaches who were Chinese, uh, I had coached before. They were all from the Shanghai team previously. And as well as that, we had um, sports science support staff who were also from the Shanghai team. So uh, for me, up there in Beijing, it, it, it did feel... Yeah, it, it felt uh, quite a good team, uh, and they'll, you know, we all shared that goal of working, working towards that, uh, that Olympic first qualification, and then um, doing well in Tokyo. So,
0: the athletes come from the provinces, be it Shanghai or other, into the national team. Yep. And, and my experience is at the provincial level, the volume is king. You know, in a lot of sports, right, and that. Yep. Obviously, in track and field, you, you get to the top, and then you've got a Randy Huntington who's the head coach, and he he, he cleans up or polishes the, the talent and does less volume, and they improve. Did you find that athletes or cyclists, and, and let's forget the Shanghai team to what some extent, were coming to, you, for want of a better word, sometimes cooked or overtrained or not really powerful enough? What what was he? You know Because that, that that's yeah. that's the over. Riding thing I see here—it certainly creates a great fitness base to some extent, and they're tough. But gee, they do a lot.
1: Yeah, d- definitely that would that would happen um, from the other provinces. Not so much cooked, so much more injured. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, a, 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 a lot of back problems, a lot of L four, L five, L 5s one, disc bulges. Yeah. <laughs> Simple thing, yeah. Tell simple me things like um, yeah. Yeah. clavicles that have been broken and they're not rehabbed properly. Just, just all these, they'd be a bit bashed up. So we we couldn't really start training hard. We'd have to have this process of assessment and you know what? How do we fix them so we can train them? You know, training to train. So. Uh, yeah, I guess the track cycling was a little bit different, as they, they wouldn't be a, as cooked, but but certainly some provinces would um, would certainly cook their cook their athletes, and still it, it's still the ten sets of ten, for 10 um, strength methodology still still permeates uh, a lot of these sprint teams as well, which you know in 2020 oh, I, I can't understand.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so in, in an Olympic cycle, for one of a better word, it's probably not quite accurate. But you, you, did you spend a year training them to train, or was it, it individualised? You know, give us a bit of a snapshot of yeah. how you approached that. I know it was a substance of a lecture you did in Singapore, I think, also.
1: Yeah, yeah, true. Um, I, I guess it really depends on. On, I'm, I'm, I'm really big on on where where is this athlete now? And, and I, I definitely try to individualise the program as much as possible uh, where, where I can. But um, we, we certainly would do um, some assessment and some screening. Um, I mean, uh, certain certain muscle tests as well as um, certain movements. I can go through those if you'd like. Oh, yeah, just generally, yeah, it'd be great, yeah. Yeah, just, just basic um, uh, muscle length tests on, on calf or soleus, hamstrings, uh, piriformis, um, QL, hip flexors, and shoulder internal external rotation. And uh, after that, we just do some basic movement screens, so like a, a glute hand sequence raise, um, a, a glute medius abduction, single single legged squat or you know someone might call a pistol squat, uh, an overhead squat, but with uh, 20 kilo weight, not not with just a, a dowling. Yep. Yeah. And then then just to have a look at their basic jumping and landing, and just with this screen, it would just give me a bit of a an idea of what what where, where where things are at before we could get into some real heavy lifting or you know, before we actually start going forward,
0: and then I suppose it's there's no exact time frame, is it? It just depends on the athlete how quickly they uh, they develop that train that the training to train phase. Totally. Is done. Yeah. So there's no real
1: exactly. Yeah. There's exactly. No... And you know, we could we could argue how long is a piece of string. Yeah. <laughs> and that that certainly applies to that to that training to train phase. But certainly to get them up to a certain standard, I want I want the, the structures of the. Of the ankle, knee, and hip, working together, as well as um, the way that the pelvis uh, relates to the spine during squats. Yep. Certainly, certainly want all these all these mechanical features pretty strengthened and and aligned before we start putting them under some some heavy loads. And and our, our guys do go under some pretty heavy loads, so. We want to make sure that they're pretty resilient and can deal with not only the gym, but some of the track work is pretty um, full on, as you as you would know too.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and that can take a year. That that phase, not it? you know, you just got to be patient. Sometimes it can take quite a while. Oh,
1: in terms of definitely, the, in terms definitely. of the
0: exercise prescription has to be quite different to, to and, and some some athletes and don't know how to do an olympic lift or they don't know how to do even a clean pull off the ground really they can't coordinate that so it just takes time that that takes ages to, to be honest sometimes
1: <laughs> well exactly it's it's you know we're, we're learning other things there you know there we're learning the body position within space and then we're learning coordination and then we're learning coordination at speed it's, it's there's a lot of things to a lot of boxes to pick um before, you know, you can really start to drive some of these important strength, power movements.
0: Yeah, and I listened to a podcast in Italian, luckily I can speak Italian, of uh, the guy who heads the track endurance, strength and conditioning, sports science, and obviously, you know, the, the results are phenomenal now in track endurance and pursuit, and they basically, he said, they train like weightlifters, but then... He he did emphasise that uh, that you know the efficiency, the technique, everything has to be right before they load them. That he emphasised that in the podcast, quite a few times, which sort of yeah, reinforces what you're saying before you before you push the button. And to be honest, when you go back to AFL, big problem. You know you load up young kids too early, and it, it's a temptation and You've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to wait sometimes. Okay, so yeah. once you were satisfied individually that a cyclist that had come to the national team had a good base of strength and conditioning, had, had ticked the boxes to, 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 to be able to engage into some high-intensity training and, and obviously had a good conditioning base, um, where did you move to? What, what were some of the, the benchmarks that these sprint cyclists had to achieve?
1: Well, I guess it's every, different from, for every, every athlete, but we, we got some good um, benchmarks. I guess well, I can go through some if you want. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. Um, sure. For, for the squat, we, we would have uh, a 3RM of 2.5 body weight for, for the guys. Yep. And um, the girls are 2.2 body weight. Um, and, and, and usually they would achieve that, so that wasn't too much of an issue. Uh, clean pulls. We wanted them to be moving, um, for the girls, 60 to 70 kilos at 1 to 1.1 metres per second. Yep. Once again, for a 3RM. And the guys, uh, 100 to 110 kilos for for the same, for between 1 uh, and 1.1 metres per second. Yep. Uh, the, the guys had, had to be able to um, 3RM uh, 30 kilos for chins. And, and the girls, the girls had to do 10 to 10, uh, 12.5, 3RM. Okay. Three hour rim. okay. Yeah. Bench, um, bench, pro- bench wasn't as important, but we wanted them to, you know, have a reasonable bench. For the guys, you know, they'd be about 120 for 3RM, and the girls would be uh, between 60 and 70
0: yep.
1: for 3RM. But okay. they're, they're just just because of uh, the the, the lats um, in, in the pulling movement with acceleration with with track cycling and with also keeping uh streamlined position we we used to emphasize more um the the pulling motions rather than pushing motions. in
0: terms of all those minor muscles like glutes and hamstrings you know obviously all the research said if your quads are stronger you're going to push harder on a pedal yep. but but uh, how much attention to detail... Actually, one thing I do want to talk about is the soleus thing, which I thought was interesting you mentioned before. How much attention to detail did you do with those sort of muscles in terms of balancing things out and or possibly improving performance?
1: Certainly certainly with the gastroc and soleus complex, um, because of the forces we need to push down through the pedal, we want to make sure that they are as compliant as, as they can be without losing too much force. I think it's always a balancing act to get uh, the the right amount of strength versus rehabilitation, activation, call it what you will. And I think that's just an individual sort of juggling juggling plan that you try to do with each. Some will do more as as they have more issues. Some possibly will do less, but will do something uh, more maybe for recovery. So it. I, I like to individualise it as much as I can within the program, but obviously that becomes less and less possible as you coach more and more athletes. But in saying that, I do try to individualise it as much as possible.
0: Can, can you give me probably even to teach me right here now how, how you condition the calf to to what? Well, I suppose not so much that stiffness, but what what was actually. An actual exercise or what was the process because it does seem pretty important when you, when you talk about
1: it yeah i guess we, we would start more um and this has probably changed a lot in current rehab uh for casts and achilles tendinopathies, go more for isometric holds with okay. both both the soleus and gastro and just building it up uh that way for 45 seconds to a minute um and then weighted ones just, 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 basics, and then then we get it to a point where we we, we think it's it's good, and then always make sure we keep uh, touching in it um, in probably our down sessions during the week. So um, I guess generally we would do a our main session Monday or Tuesday, and then a recovery session either Wednesday or Thursday, and then another main session on Friday or Saturday. So. That, that middle section was a good one to get some of the smaller prehabilitation, um, rehabilitation, small muscle group exercises rather than the the, the the big rocks that we would try to focus on in, in, in day one and day three.
0: So once you'd done isometric holds with body weight, you'd move to something like a Smith machine. Is that the case?
1: Yeah, yeah. Or um, we, we we had... Um, a calf raise machine as well and we also had a, oh, okay. a seated calf yep. so yeah just single leg single leg isometrics on that um, weighted uh, okay. it's, it, look it would definitely it's different than what i would would have done 10 years ago for sure but um i guess as the information changes uh, we, we have to change yeah
0: it does make sense in cycling in terms of uh, maintaining that position doesn't it so it's not you well, you're, exactly, yeah. you're not running and bouncing on the, on the ground you're not you're not having to sink at all so the isometric uh, the isometric exercise obviously makes a lot more sense in terms of or the the ability yes. to hold isometric contraction it, it does seem very specific to the action okay so so once you would achieved those metrics to some extent obviously they were somewhat individual um is, is it like other sports, you know, the, the how strong is strong enough? You know, because in sprint cycling, you know, you would think, oh, well, if you squat 200 for three reps, why not squat 280? You know, it's, it, it, where did you draw the line in terms of how strong is strong enough with your cyclists?
1: Oh, look, it's, that's, it's a great question, and, and you could really talk about this one all day. Um, and, I, and I did talk a lot with, um, with our Australian head coach. About this one, and he 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 had talked with his S&C guys before, and, and just through his knowledge as well as a former athlete, he 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 did see some decrements as as some of their squats did get heavier. Okay. So it, it, it's 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 a real how long is a piece of string argument, and I think it's I think this is where you really need to have a good. Um, uh, good liaison and good chat with not only a head coach, assistant coaches, but also the sport science. Um, we want to make sure that the the SRM crank data that they're recording from training session is heading in the same direction as, as the numbers in the gym. And if the numbers in the gym don't reflect what's happening in training, I think that's where you can see a disconnect between Strength and power, or, 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 or what an, a, an athlete specifically needs within this period. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a real tough one. Um, we always want to be stronger, and, and there is research saying stronger athletes, you know, uh, are, are, are better. But it's that it's that point where 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 the decrement comes in.
0: Yeah. So so obviously that. The specificity of, of looking at what happens uh, with the SRM crank is is, is is does make obvious sense. But in terms of conditioning, how how much does jumping, you know, on a force platform, double leg jumping, single leg jumping, and the, the 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 feedback from that relate to what happens on the bike? Relate to what happens in the squat, for instance? What or is it is it still a little bit unrelated? It's
1: it's a it's a little bit un unrelated certainly certainly um squat numbers and flying 200 qualification times we, we've seen some good correlation yeah but, but some of the some of, and, and and good correlation to what output so that 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 those three metrics are, are quite correlated but then when we start adding the power metrics um it it all starts to get very fuzzy and and um you, sometimes you feel like you could you're chasing your tail a little bit on those.
0: did you did you use a force platform did you measure jumps did you yeah. monitor that we
1: we, we we yeah we not not the force but with the jump mat for sure yeah um and we did a lot of uh jump mat uh, contact climbs just as a as a, a training tool but also as a preparedness to train yeah um uh, it, it, it it gave mixed um, mixed information. Probably a force plate, w- which we didn't have at the facility, would be a better, uh, more accurate than um, we had a, the spark speed uh, just jump. Pad. Yep, yep, yep.
0: Okay, so so which, obviously which is, which is which is good, but it's
1: it's not you know
0: super super reliable.
1: So when when
0: for the general punter here when we see some of the sprint cyclists doing massive concentric box jumps? (laughs) How relevant is that? Um, Instagram stuff, you know, all the Instagram stuff that cyclists sometimes post.
1: Yeah. Yeah, look, I I don't mind them for um, coordination, um, an expression of power, but um, to me it's more of a, a warm-up sort of exercise, rather than, uh, it, you know, it's it's more fluff than 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 meat, if you know what I mean. I I, I think it's it, you know it, it forms a part of the program, but is it, is it essential? Can you do other things for sure?
0: So the relationship with with what happens on the bike, what happens on the SRM, and and what happens in the gym is probably the most uh, subtle and the the, the best measure. That you can that you can use.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. we've I've got some good good information on um, uh, clean clean pool velocities and and also um, how they're going on the track as as a preparedness to train as well. Oh, okay. It's 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 not as um, it's not as cut and dried. It's very individually related, so it probably requires a bit more teasing out of information to get anything. Um, uh, specific and, and 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 authoritative on on that sort of measuring. So I suppose
0: that makes a bit of sense, though that, that your clean pull is is a, is, a, is a box jump under load, isn't it? Really, you know, you, you're acting concentrically yeah. there, and, and then then you're getting a closer relationship to what happens with the huge forces on a bike. One of the things I've seen some cyclists do, probably more an Instagram thing, uh, and occasionally in gyms, and, and I never really paid much attention to. Is the single, the double leg and the single leg leg press how how big a part of the program was that, or did you if, if was that just a if they can't squat we'll do that type situation?
1: Yeah, I, it, it was for both. Um, I, I really quite like the uh, single leg leg press um, for for some of the athletes who have uh, some of the lower back issues, which was nearly all of our athletes. Um, so and, and just, just some of the, the, the joint positions are very similar to that on the bike so um, certainly have done a lot of uh, single leg leg press throws and, and some real uh, heavy heavy work on the single leg the, 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 the double leg for um, our riders is pretty much only for the ones that can't squat
0: okay, yeah, yeah Okay, so single leg is an exercise you would use with a lot of your cyclists at some point of the program, but double leg is just uh, if the if the players had lower back problems and literally can't squat, that's probably.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah, we had we had a lot of athletes like that, so we probably have half the program sometimes um, on the leg press machines, just because. Uh, They've been beaten up and smashed as a young a young rider at their provinces.
0: Yeah, I've got a few here with uh, multiple bulges and things like that. And uh, one chap who's actually quite good. I think he's in the the, the youth team for China. He, he's had big, strong lad. You know, seventeen, um, too heavy a deadlift before he was ready, and um, because of that, he's quite unstable in his single leg squat and. Just by actually improving that, he's improved on the bike without actually going heavy. When I was doing some rehab work with Dr. Jill Cook and people like that, and there were some metrics around a single leg squat for rehab, you know, like you've got to do five on a hundred if you're a female or, or something like that. Is What what do they push on the single leg single leg, leg press? Sorry, single leg leg press. Say, male.
1: Uh, single, male? Uh, what? Anything say, three to three-fifty, sometimes more.
0: single leg. (laughs) That's a lot, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And and even with that, we would work a lot with, um, um, you know, obviously eccentrics, but a a lot of concentric single leg getting into, say, competition as the... um, Yep, yep. As the... uh, Obviously, as the muscle damage is uh, less than with eccentric or, you know, full eccentric concentric movement. So... That was definitely something we did uh, across the board with the riders leading into major competitions. So it, it, it's not just varying the exercise, but also varying the um, the, the the speed, the tempo, and um, I guess the you know the style of exercise you know concentric, eccentric, yep, isometric,
0: and yep, the, the phase of the year and. You want less damage and yeah. all those sort of yeah. things. Yeah, It's yeah. It's got to be pretty strong these uh, these cyclists. There's no doubt about that. Um, unfortunately, I'm in Kunming right now, which you well know, and um, I'm a bit worried about the leg press putting two hundred more than 200 kilos on it. It doesn't look too stable to me. Uh,
1: <laughs> no, I, exactly. I've, I've seen. I've seen that. Um, <laughs> we, we we actually had to we had to throw coaches on on the leg press because um, we didn't have enough weights. So yeah, oh, right. In we, we we had a coach on each side as that's, well as
0: the weights. That's hilarious. Yeah, so oh, that, that's, that's that's fascinating. So, what what, what is a taper for, for cycling for a sprint cyclist? What do, what does that represent? Um, obviously, how 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 far out from a major competition like an Olympic Games or an Asian Games do you do you stop gaining strength? Do you stop? Um, loading as eccentrically, as you said, what, what's what's a general taper type uh, plan that you'd have that, that would fit a majority of the athletes?
1: Um, yeah, I, I, like you said, it, it's it can be a bit more individualised, but also it can be very um, coach-driven as well. So coaches will have definitive ideas on what they they would want. Um, I know that because some of the, the Chinese uh, riders wouldn't do... Uh, a lot of strength leading, you know, sometimes two to three weeks before um, competitions. And, you know, I think that was crazy. It's way too long, but um, that's my opinion. I I used to like to go reasonably close to competition and and still hitting pretty good numbers, you know, say about um, 85, 90% of, of max, but with reduced volume significantly reduced volume. Um, even even to the point of we used to do um, potentiation on, on, on the day of competition, real reduced volume and also reduced load. So probably that would be around 50% of max load on that potentiation. Leading into competition, it, bro, it's, it's, it's very much horses for courses, but we would probably go into more concentric stuff Say around eight, six to eight weeks before competition, and and that would probably we'd we still go heavy, but we would, we would not be getting um, the the muscle damage. We would still we would still do some eccentric training, but it wouldn't be the same volume as we would do yeah. with, in the preceding blocks leading up to that more concentric phase leading into competition. In an ideal world, I like to go. Up to four days before competition, like I said, before pretty
0: heavy. Okay. Yep. Yep. Given Given the specificity of the event, too, the, the relationship is, is pretty close, isn't it? You know, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Just, yes, definitely. It's, 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 definitely. Not a, it's not an AFL footballer who's running around for 120 minutes. It's a little bit of a different sport. Did you find? I mean, in AFL and, and some other sports, you know, we've always met the person who, the whole strong is strong enough became a big debate and then you know you, you went more down the pilates route with them because they were big and strong or lighter weights or is that just is it just a yeah. non-negotiable in sprint cycling or have you seen some individuals that don't do as much in, in sprint cycling yeah,
1: yes and no um, certainly uh, in endurance you can get away with it a little, little bit more but yeah. certainly not at the, the international level now in in the sprint stuff no, everyone. Everyone is nearly uh, a gym rat, and it's it's getting progressively uh, more and more. Uh, athletes are getting bigger. Athletes are getting stronger. And you walk down into the into the the center of the track, and you really see some big athletes these days. It's um, bigger, stronger, faster.
0: Yeah, yeah, and certainly my introduction to cycling has been track endurance, and that was tough for me six months ago, five months ago when I started because I just couldn't get my head around, you know, the strength, power needs. But talking to people all over the world, um, they've basically become gym rats too there because guy that broke the world record started at about thirteen, fourteen hundred 1,400 watts and in 15 seconds he got to 60 k's an hour and he held 607 watts for four minutes. <laughs> you don't do that doing endurance. Yeah. No,
1: no, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, It's it's... And, and it's, it's certainly changed the way that they look at those sort of programs and um, which makes sense because, uh, you know, from from what we learn when we go to university, it's, you know, there is that focus of that, those anaerobic and CP systems that really can come to the fore in this type of uh, event.
0: Yeah, and that's been interesting for me because I went through this situation with football looking at VO2 maxes and what's enough and how to nudge that up, or just work on repeat speed, or you know, work on that ability to, 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 to hold your, your speed throughout a game. And this track endurance cycling is very similar, and, and as somebody said to me recently, it's, it's almost reverse periodization now in, in this sport as against 20 years ago when, when the Germans were doing high volumes. It's big, big changes, and I suppose,
1: you know,
0: which is the evolution of sport, isn't it, really? <laughs>
1: Oh, exactly. And and you know, if all you need to do is have a look at the 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 numbers that the or both the endurance and the sprinters are putting out in you know in the last World Championships. Yep. Uh, just some insane uh, numbers. Yeah,
0: it's tough, isn't it? And and, and and obviously uh you know, without being too critical and you know the, the, the with at the provincial level in, in a lot of the cycling sports in I suppose many countries in China's one of them is that it's still that sort of fear of moving away from aerobic it pervades the the, the coaching uh, environment I find
1: <laughs> yeah well exactly it's it's a, a lot of co- coaches are very comfortable of what they they did as athletes and they're very comfortable coaching those type of environments uh, I think it's it's up to us as as um, high performance, strength, and conditioning coach to, to challenge some of their um, preconceived notions.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's that is the challenge also to do that and and, and, and to try and uh, be patient enough to 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 influence people and, and provide them with the information and the evidence base to 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 change slowly. Uh, it's hard. It's hard as we as you saw in AFL in the in the late '90s and early 2000s. It was it was a tough it was tough work to to change mindsets there and, and old habits.
1: Definitely, definitely. And I I, I definitely draw parallels from that from those times in football and working with, with different coaches. And it's it's quite um, it's quite funny seeing all these scenarios replay within a different context in another country. So it's you know, obviously there's some different cultural things going on as well, but coaching is coaching and, and, and it follows a very similar pattern. It doesn't
0: matter where you are in this world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes here i felt like I'm back in uh, 95 uh, in the AFL. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and one of the things I suppose with the track endurance moving up from the sprint cycling that, that I've been thinking recently, you know, the philosophy that I had with... With AFL was uh, improve your sport specific endurance, but never at your at the expense of speed and power, and that seems to be the, the key. Certainly up to the pursuit level. Certainly road cycling is a little bit different, um, and that's uh, that's probably what I, where I'm going with it. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating sport. There's a lot more to it than I thought. Cycling, it's uh, certainly got a lot to learn. Now. Your, yeah. your future, you're going back to China if and when you can, um, so that's, yep. that's that's locked in, but would you like to return to the AFL one day? Uh, obviously, you've been a high-performance manager and in, in, a, in a different culture. You've worked in national teams, uh, you've managed, you've been hands-on, you've done a variety of things. Um, is that something you'd like to do, or basically, do you want to stay...
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that if that opportunity arose, I'd have to give it a serious um, thought. But uh, I mean, I really do. It, I mean, that role would probably have to include some form of um, hands-on coaching, if 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 possible, because I really do love that um, that aspect of of my role. Um, it's I mean, it's okay um, dealing with uh, leaders and dealing with support staff and. But I'd, I really like to get my hands dirty with coaching. It's still something that uh, um, sort of gets me up out of bed and drives me um, on a daily basis. So, yeah, if, if that role did include uh, that aspect, uh, yeah, I'd certainly be open to, to looking at it. But um, I, think, I think it's a little bit different than when, when you and I were in um, AFL. Um, and I think the landscape is, is changing before our eyes as well.
0: Well, the landscape is quite possibly, with the budget shrinking and, you know, for a couple of years they will be shr- they will have shrunken, uh, that, that, that certainly administrations are going to have to look at people that can multi-skill and, 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 and that's what we did and, you know, I, I had to do. I, I was meeting with docs, meeting with coaches, meeting with admin staff and then doing sports science, doing nutrition, <laughs> doing weights, doing rehab, doing speed.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. It's just crazy. One man you know? band.
0: Yeah, and uh, not that, that not that it will return that far, but they'll, they'll probably have to they'll have to pull back a little bit on on, on the classic high performance manager role, you know, which wasn't hands on, which had evolved. I mean, just just some clubs just won't be able to afford it really. But yeah, well, well, hopefully uh, you get a knock on the door in the next couple of months, mate. Uh, <laughs> if you. Whilst you're stuck stuck in Melbourne waiting for uh, things to change because that could be quite a while. We don't really know what's going to happen, do we? No,
1: it really is a day-by-day proposition.
0: Mm. Oh, that's been fantastic. Thanks for the insight into cycling. I've learned a fair bit because uh, it's been my foray into cycling here and that's been really interesting, chatting about some issues at, at the gym floor and at the, the, the nexus of the gym floor and cycling, but, but also your, your massive background that you've got, um, which uh, is, is, is really cool to, to, to digest. And, and uh, yeah, th- thanks for being on the podcast, Brenton. Oh, thanks to you, Loris. And,
1: uh, yeah, it was a very
0: enjoyable process. Yeah. Okay, well, hopefully we catch up soon, mate. <laughs> All right. Well,
1: hopefully sooner rather than later.
0: All right. Thanks, mate. Ciao. All
1: right. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye.
0: I'd really like to thank Brenton for that podcast. I certainly learned a lot. I'm just new to cycling, and and a lot of the information he provided there was an extremely valuable insight for me and hopefully very interesting for people that are listening on what's required in, in the training and strength and conditioning of a sprint cycle. certainly it was a massive insight into his experience in china the width and breadth of what he's done here in terms of the practical aspects and the high performance management aspects but also his work in the afl which was at a time when sports science and strength and conditioning was exploding in that environment so he, he, he obviously learned heaps there and before that his very interesting career started as an athlete in rugby union and obviously he's worked uh, in a number of other areas in strength and conditioning and sports so thanks again really interesting insight and hope you enjoyed it